Welcome back to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. The Missing Link will help you or your business connect with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Find them at tmlthemissinglink.com.au. Here is your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. But today we're joined by Porter Adelaide Power legend, Chad Corns. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. How are you going at the moment? Thank you for having me, mate. Um, yeah, appreciate the invite and I'm going really well. Thank you. Thanks, Chad. Now, I see you came um, and sort of come from a football um, royalty um, family with the great Graham Corns. What's it like growing up the son of a legend? Yeah, we're a pretty fortunate uh, being in the position we were as kids, dad was coach of Glenelg in the SANFL, which was a pretty big deal you yeah. know, before the Crows before the Crows joined the AFL competition. So we would go to Glenelg games every weekend. He'd take us down in the change rooms. We get to hear his pre pre and post game addresses, wow. and the the players were really really welcoming to us. They would always include us, mm-hmm. you know, have kicks with us, you know, pre game, half time. So we're pretty lucky. And then when he got the Crows coaching job, you know, that was the biggest thing mm-hmm. um, that we'd ever known here in South Australia. So to be out, you know, to be able to go and meet some of those guys was pretty special too. How'd you find the experience, um, I guess, of the process of the AFL draft and what did you have to undergo um, to be drafted? Yeah, it wasn't as serious as it is now, obviously. I didn't, uh, mm-hmm. like going to the draft camp wasn't compulsory back then. So, yeah. you know, I thought I was a little bit underdone, so I didn't bother going to the draft camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really wanted to get drafted, but it wasn't the biggest thing in the world for me at that stage. Like, I've, yeah. maybe in the back of my mind, I wouldn't have minded another year in the SNFL just to develop a little bit more because I thought I wasn't quite for, for yeah for the AFL. But um, Port took me at pick nine. It was a lot earlier than I thought I would go, uh, but the best thing yeah. that happened to me. How did you feel when you were announced um, and going to the power, obviously sort of staying in your home state? Yeah, that was staying in the home state was huge for me. Like I had a really close mm-hmm. network of friends from school, really close to my family. Uh, the other team that I'd spoken to was West Coast. So I was pretty certain I was going over to Perth, which you know couldn't be further yeah. away. So when the power <laughs> called my name out, you know, I remember the look that mum gave me. Um, we'd always had a bit of a rivalry, the Corns family with, with the Port Adelaide footy club. So mm-hmm. it was unexpected. But like I said, the, the best thing that ever happened to me. So what differences... Can you sort of see now um, between sort of when you were drafted in 1997 and then to now um, in that draft process, like you said, like sort of the draft camp, how you sort of didn't go to that and now it's probably like compulsory to go to that? Yeah, the boys come in a lot more, you know, better prepared than than what we were back then. Like yeah. I just made the decision with Brad Ottens who went pick two, I think, um, to Richmond back then. He said he wasn't going to the draft camp. So I sort of just jumped on and said, I wasn't going either. So <laughs> you did that now, you, you probably just wouldn't be mm-hmm. drafted. Like they're so better prepared when they come in, they can speak well, they understand the media. Mm-hmm. And obviously just general athletically, they're, they're a lot better prepared than, than what we were back then. Can you expand on the environment um, of coming in on your first day at the Power? Yeah, I was really nervous. Cause like I said, uh, Port Adelaide had always hated my dad. And that mm-hmm. was right back to when he was playing <laughs> v, v the Port Magpies. So I was unsure how the, the crowd and some of the people that worked here would treat mm-hmm. me. But from day one, I remember my locker was next to Gavin Wanganeen, who was the biggest player in um in our club 
probably ever, but especially at that time, he was really welcoming, as were the rest of the boys and, and the crowd. I remember we had to do a few fitness tests that day and somehow I was winning winning one of them. You know, <laughs> a bit of adrenaline, but they were. I remember them applauding me as I ran around. So the Port fans have always been great to me right to this day. Um, mm-hmm. They're what makes this club so special and, and for them to welcome me as they did on that day and, and treat me so well throughout my whole career has been really special. You found yourself um, as a regular key forward in Port's best 22 um, during sort of the 2000 season um, and sort of 01, 02 and 03. What was your role and aim um, as a key forward? So we had uh, sort of myself and Warren Treadray were the two main forwards. Yeah. Uh, I was a really average set shot for goal. So most, <laughs> most of my work was done up the ground. Um, being a bit of that that length player, a bit like if you know Tom Lynch from the Adelaide Crows, the, the yep. way he plays at the moment. So I used to get up the ground a little bit more and give it to the good the good kicks. So he'd kick it to Treaders inside fifty, and, and he mm-hmm. kicked the goal. So it worked really well for what was it, probably three or four years, and then I made the move to defence in in '04. How did you feel, and what was your perspective at the time on making that move sort of to the other end of the ground? Yeah, so we'd had a couple of failed final series and. This was the end of 03. I went into mm-hmm. Mark Williams's office in our end of season review. I felt like he'd lost a bit of you know trust in me, and he yeah. said, "Yeah, I probably have. Um, I'm moving into centre half back next year. Go for it." And so that was surprise. <laughs> it was a shock, and only played there once or twice before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked really closely with Dean Bailey, who was our our defence coach at that time. Yeah, he was great for me. Um, you know, we had some key defenders at that time who I learned a lot off. And yeah, I love the move. Uh, sort of surprised how well I adapted to it. And and obviously so many good players around me yep. in 2004 allowed me to play that bit of a, a loose man role as I did in defense. Now, obviously that sort of, that worked moving to the back line um, as you earned yourself an all Australian and pulled for third in the brown low. How did, what did those accolades, I guess, or achievements mean to you after sort of putting the hard work in and dedication to your hard work and seeing it sort of reflect? Yeah, well, like I said, a lot of it was due to the guys I had around me. Um, mm. So Darrell Wakeland, Matthew Bishop, Montgomery, Kingsley, Hardwick, those guys were really sort of, you know, tight one-on-one mm. defenders, which allowed me to do my own thing. And, and that was allowed me to come off and hit the set mark. And obviously that caught the eye of some of the umpires we didn't have a great relation relationship with for most of my career, to be honest. But <laughs> getting all Australian was special because it's just something I never thought I'd be good enough to do. Yep. So when I got that, that was great. But obviously, the, the best thing that ever happened to our club was was that year and winning the premiership. Yep. Now beating the Lions obviously by forty points in that premiership. How did it feel? And can you take me through the, that experience and the entire grand final and sort of hype up experience and then the game too? Yeah, so the, the week over here is obviously huge with all the media and, and the attention you get. Um, yep. I remember we, we trained the Friday night before the game at the MCG and, and as a group, we'd never trained worse. Like every ball was hitting the ground. Oh, no. Um, I think everyone was just so nervous. So Choco <laughs> pulled us all in and had a big laugh about it. Um, just told us to relax, take it in, mm-hmm. enjoy the experience. And then, yeah, the actual game day itself was... Was a little bit of a blur. I remember when, when we ran out, the noise of that. I remember when Josh Carr kicked the first goal, the noise mm-hmm. of that. And then with about probably 10 minutes to go, it was pretty clear we were going we to win. So I just tried to enjoy that moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember looking around to the fans a fair bit and try to enjoy that with them. And then when the sign went, just looking for Kane, my brother, 
mm-hmm. um, to take it all in with him. But it was it was a big relief more than anything else after the the failures of the years before. Like you mentioned, your brother Kane. What was that like to play alongside um, your brother and win a premiership with him? Yeah, really special. Uh, he was touted as going to the Crows. Mm-hmm. So when Port called out his name in 2000, that was great just to you know be able to have him in our home state playing yep. on the same team together. Uh, he always looked after me. He always kicked it to me whenever he had the ball. He always mm-hmm. handballed it to me whenever he had the ball. So um, looking back on some of the moments we shared together is really special. Can you talk me through some of the celebrations that were going on um, sort of after the grand final? <laughs> yeah, mate, they're pretty tame, to be honest. Uh, yeah. It wasn't what I expected. I had a, you know, a girlfriend at the time that I was head over heels with, so I've spent more time with her rather than going out partying with the boys. <laughs> um, we had a good night when we got back to here on, on the Sunday. We came back to the footy club and, and celebrated with the fans and then went, went out to a few pubs in Glenelg, which was a good night. But other than that, mate, the whole celebration thing was a bit of a letdown. I was mm-hmm. um, pretty keen to make up for that in 2007, but obviously that grand final didn't go to plan. Can you take me through that year of 2007 and where you unfortunately couldn't get that win um, over the Cats? Yeah, well, no one expected us to make the grand final, including yeah. pretty much everyone here at Port. We had a really young team. It was an exciting team. We had some great players, but... You know, we just got on a bit of a roll and then you know, won the first two finals and found, found ourselves in the grand final. We went into that overconfident. Um, yeah. Clearly the be- better team. But for some reason, we went in really cocky, overconfident and mm-hmm. probably got taught a, a big lesson on grand final day. On grand final day, you went down by like something like 119 points. Yeah, what was that like to sort of soak that in and how did that sort of sit with you guys and then on sort of your attitude and mentality going into the next year? It was really embarrassing. That's the first thing that comes to mind. I remember mm-hmm. walking off that ground and you, you cop it from all supporters, both Geelong and your own supporters, and then yeah. coming back here. You know, you didn't really want to show your face out in public because of, of what happened. I think it's the record losing margin in a grand final, which is not Ouch. a record you want to be a part of. No. Uh, you know, we didn't review that game properly. We sort of just swept it under the carpet and thought things would happen again in 2008, and, and it didn't. You know, we never really covered, recovered from that grand final and it led to a few pretty dark years you know in the Mm -hmm. 2010 11 and yeah really tough times for the footy club throughout those sort of 2008 to 2010 you had um some injuries what were these injuries and how did they affect um you you in terms of your career yeah okay what did i have i i snapped a few fingers like and you think fingers are just a little little things but i snapped that one there you can sort of see it now yeah that really affected me because I was, you know, I love my marking, love going for my marks and it's a, a small thing. You should be able to recover from a finger, but that affected my confidence a bit. Had a punctured lung, I had a shoulder operation and, and a few knee surgeries as well. So wow. it took its toll. I should have dealt with them better. Like you should be able to play with injuries like that. But in the yep. end, I never really recovered and got back to the form of, of 07 after those surgeries. In August, 2011, you decided um, to retire from the game. How did that decision, um, I guess, approach you and was it an easy one to make? Well, it's pretty easy when the club tells you they don't want you anymore. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the club were going in a different direction. I you know, had some great years here and, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking back on it, that when GWS called me, it was halfway through that year of 2011. I came in and played a, a few games support. I was playing okay, but um, only playing because Jay Schultz was injured. Played mm-hmm. more SNFL footy that year. 
I still thought I had, you know, a year or two left in me. So when Mark Williams rang me and asked me if I would be keen to join GWS, yep. I was nervous. Um, didn't really want to leave Adelaide. Uh, I love Adelaide and love, like I said before, my friends and family. But yep. it was a great move. And I'm really thankful for GWS because they treated us so well as soon as we got up there. Now at GWS, you played like an assistant playing coach. What's what in what's it sort of involved, I guess, in that role of being a coach, but then also being on field and playing with the guys? Yeah, they're obviously a really young group. They were pretty much a, a group made of up of eighteen year olds. So they yep. invited like was myself, Dean Brogan, Luke Power, James McDonald to, mm-hmm. to come along, and it was about setting a good example, showing the ball boys how to train, how to train hard. Um, just being professional and, and then just sort of sticking up for them on game day because they were so, so young. Um, it taught me a lot about, you know, dealing with the younger generation. It's something I didn't do that well when I was at Port. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so just socialising with these young guys, getting to know these young guys. They're a really professional group. They did everything right. So it was, like I said, I'm really thankful that we got the opportunity to go up there. What was the experience like um, at GWS of playing with sort of a reasonably new team? Yeah, we got some we got some big beatings. Like we lost you know, games by 150 points and stuff like wow. that. But, you know, no one thought we'd win a game yep. first year. And we won a couple. I remember the first game we won against the Gold Coast. That was a really special moment. Um, mm-hmm. The joy in those boys' faces after the sign went was, was really special. And then, you know, we beat my old team, Port, yeah, later on in the year, which led to Matty Primus uh, and the yeah. president getting sacked. So that was a weird day. I thought I'd really love it if we, you know, GWS beat Port. But, you know, looking around after that game and seeing looks on some of my old teammates' faces, seeing yeah. my brother Kane's face, the club was in a bad spot. Um, so I didn't enjoy that win as much as I thought. But looking mm-hmm. back, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to Port Adelaide. Like it led to Ken Hinckley mm-hmm. uh, coming in led to David Kosh coming in. So it was a real mm-hmm. turning point for the club. Um, in 2013, you officially, um, I guess, retired from AFL and took on um, a full-time coaching role with GWS. Um, how did sort of, you know, retiring once again come about and then also taking on a full-time coaching role instead of like sort of player coach? Yeah, I had a knee operation at the end of 2012. Yeah, um, the surgeon was really confident that I still had a couple of years left in me, and I was I was loving playing up there with those with those guys. But that that knee got infected, um, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing. Getting a knee infected post surgery, so I was in hospital for weeks after that, and it just never really recovered. I could never run properly mm-hmm. after that that infection. So that that retirement was forced. Really lucky to have the two years I did on the list up there, and yeah, and thankful that that Leon Cameron and and the rest of the team up there kept me on in a coaching role which I wasn't ready to be a, a line coach then, mm-hmm. but I learned a lot. Um, Leon was great. Sheeds was great. Choco was great when they were there. And just the, the board of GWS and Dave Matthews uh, and people like that were really good to me. And it was, um, you know, besides being drafted to Port, going up there was was one of the best moves I ever made. Uh, you've been the Port Adelaide uh, Magpies coach for a few years now um, in, the, in the SA NFL. What tactics do you bring into play, um, I guess, in a, in a Sandful team? Yeah, so when I came back from GWS, I got offered the, the Magpies, the coaching role. So I did that for two years. And it's pretty much the, the Magpies are just like the powers reserves. Yeah. I'm going to put it like that. It made up with a few other contracted boys you get from 
from throughout Adelaide. So you pretty much just follow the, the Powers game style. Um, mm -hmm. You can tweak tweak it a little bit, but you know Kenny wants to make sure that guys that come in know their role, play their role, know the game plan, and you're playing the same way as the Power. So you don't have to come up with too much because you pretty much just copy what the, what the Power boys are doing. But again, learn a lot in that role. We made the grand final in 2017, but lost by a point to Sturt. So that was that was shattering. Um, but now now I'm just still a development coach here at the Power, but look after the forward line in the Magpies on game day. How did that opportunity um, of being a line coach and a, de oh, sorry, a development coach at the Power um, present itself? You know, Josh Carr, who was coaching here at, at the Power, got a job coaching North Adelaide in the SNFL. So I think it was Kenny Hinckley rang me while I was still coaching at GWS and asked me if I wanted to come back. And it was always a dream to come back and work in, work in Port Adelaide. Like I love Sydney, it was great, but yep. I always wanted to come back come and Adelaide. So when I got that, Cole jumped at it and no still here, learn a lot. We've got a really great coaching staff over here that I learn a lot from and, and a really good playing with. So great to be home. Who's the best player um, that you, from your perspective, who you think you've played um, with on a team um, over your career? Played with so Warren Treadray. Treadray, sorry, we'll get yeah. that right. He's the best player I've ever played with. Um, just the gun centre half forward. If he was playing in Melbourne, um, I reckon he would have got a, a few more accolades, a bit more credit than he mm -hmm. did playing over here. But he was right up there with, you know, Jonathan Brown, um, Nick Rewalt, those kind of guys. He, he was an absolute gun. And then obviously have Gavin Wanganine, who was a really special player. And, you know, Kane, like I said, really lucky to play with him. He wasn't the best player I've ever played with. <laughs> but probably one of the most determined and one of the hardest trainers I've ever played with. So played with some really good players. Who's the best um, opponent who you've had to play on um, defensively and sort of in the forward line too? Yeah, I, the battles with Jonathan Brown were that were some good ones. We, yeah. we, you know, he beat me a few times. I got him a couple of times, but I loved the way he played. I loved how tough and aggressive he was. So playing on him, that was special moments. Nick Rewalt was the best player. Mm -hmm. The most, the most trouble I ever had as a defender was playing on Nick Rewalt. Couldn't keep up with him. Mm -hmm. He destroyed me a couple of times. Made me look silly in a prelim final once. <laughs> Lucky we won, but he was just a freak athlete. And as a forward, I couldn't get a kick on Simon Prestigy Como, who used to play for Collingwood. He yeah. was, it was, wasn't a big name, but one of those guys you would have loved to play with. He was just hard and tough and, and didn't give you any space. So could never get a kick on him. So he's probably the, the best sort of defender I played on as a what, What's that like to, I guess, play on Rui and try and keep up with him? <laughs> well, you realise pretty early on that you're going to need some help from your teammate. Yep. You're going to need help from the boys in the midfield up the ground, putting a bit of pressure on so it's not coming lace out to him because he's a freak athlete. Not only can yeah. he run all day, he's really quick off the mark. And he's big and powerful. So he had it all. Um, and like I said, yeah, he caused me some real trouble. I reckon he could still probably play now. What do you right, think? Yeah. <laughs> um, now, if we switch back to the flip back a little bit to that, like you mentioned before, Jonathan Brown having a couple of good battles with him. Now, in that 2004 um, grand final that we met, touched on before, you kept him to like one behind. So how did you feel about keeping such a great sort of player and forward and goal, um, goal kicker like Jonathan Brown? Yeah, I was so nervous going into that grand final because I know knew I had to play on him, obviously. Mm -hmm. And all my week was just 
spent worrying about him. Like I wasn't thinking about my own game enough. He got a big knock on his knee in the prelim final when he was playing against Geelong. Still unsure if he was going to get up for the game. Even in you know the pregame warm-up, I was just searching the ground to see if he was out there warming up. And he wasn't <laughs> actually out there warming up. Um, yeah. For me, I was lucky because he didn't have the same movement as he normally did. You know, if he didn't have that knock, he had yeah. a lot of pain-killing injections in that knee. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was one of the main reasons why he was kept to <laughs> one point. And obviously, our midfield played really well that day, and the ball wasn't coming in. Um, that Their forward line, that free flowing, and yeah. Daryl Lakeman also did a brilliant job on Alistair Lynch, keep, keeping him goalless as well. So it was you know, it's a cliche, but it was a real team effort that that grand final day. Who's the best player on who you've worked with as a coach? Right. Robbie Gray. He's my favourite. Yeah. Um, really good mates with him, really close with him. But some of the stuff he's done Insane out of the field, he's saved us so many times. He's still mm. doing it. Um, you know, he kicks clutch goals. He's a really special player. One coming through now, though, is, is Zach Butters. Um, yeah. Some of the stuff he does at training and out on the field, you just sort of shake your head. I haven't really seen a player like him. So disappointing he's out injured at the mm-hmm. moment. But we hope to get him back in about a month or so. And He'll win a Brownlow one day. There you go. There's a prediction. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> I think most journos and things like that are predicting that from okay. Butters, cool. probably. Oh, oh, that's what I'm just assuming <laughs> from how good he, he was in consistent form. Yeah. No, he's very special. Now, who, I want to know what your opinion on is on um, who's an athlete um, of your family, best athlete. <laughs> who do you reckon? Oh. Have you seen pictures of Kane with his top off? <laughs> Not. Looks like he hasn't eaten for three years. So <laughs> we're very different. He's into his marathon running. Yeah. Running. I don't think he's ever lifted a weight in his life. <laughs> you ask me who was a better athlete, I'm going to have to say myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he run a marathon around his tennis court or something? Yeah, he did. That was, I went to watch that. That was for charity. Was I can't remember which charity, but he was really sore. It didn't look like much fun at all. And it took him no. a while to recover from that just because you're constantly going in that, that same direction. So you can't run around one thing for that long. No, I don't know how he did it, but credit yeah. to him. It raised a fair bit of money for a, for a charity that I, yeah, I can't remember the name of, but yeah, we're different myself and Kane, not only in the, the way we look, the way mm-hmm. we train in, in all forms of life, but um, yeah, really proud to be his brother. If you could go out for dinner with anyone, who would it be? Ooh. Anyone. 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 Eddie Vedder, lead singer of Pearl Jam. Yep. Why? Oh, they were my favourite band when I was growing up. I was really into the grunge music scene. Yeah. Uh, and Pearl Jam were my, were my favourite band at, at that stage. And he's interesting. I like the way he speaks. I like the, his look and, and take on life. So that would be a, a big moment. I actually shook his hand once. So that's my claim to fame. Shook his hand <laughs> in a pool hall in Glenelg for one of their concerts so yeah I'll probably pick him uh where do you keep your tomato sauce in the fridge or in the cupboard <laughs> yeah well i think it mixes and like ideally i would keep it in the cupboard but it goes yeah. off quickly so yeah. i don't like the cold tomato sauce but it goes off quicker if you don't so yeah i think it's in the fridge at the moment yeah um now i believe you're sort of the runner for port adelaide at the moment what's mm-hmm. that like to run around the ground and get the messages out um, for Ken Hinckley? You're not out there as much as you once were. There's a limit. Yep. You can really take two messages out per quarter in play. Yeah. You can play it up the goals and stuff like that. So 
I love the involvement with the players. So you're in the rooms with them warming up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them have got pregame you know, rituals that involves me. You know, kicking balls. It's a really small, <laughs> really small role. But you know, uh, Charlie Dixon, I'm, I'm really close to. So we we have a lot of kicks pregame, same as Robbie Gray. So yeah, you're a very, very small part of the game. But I, I like that interaction with the players and still being out there on the field. So with that, what's your perspective, I guess, on the new men on the mark rule and how that affects um, the game, obviously, sort of new, um, more 50-metre penalties being given away? Yeah, I think our guys have adapted pretty well to it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we've given away too many 50s from memory, but it's definitely opened the game up. It's yep. a lot more free-flowing. Free the guys are gassed when they come off, like on the bench, There's because you know, rotations have been cut as well. So the boys mm-hmm. are completely spent by the end of the game. But I think it's a better spectacle for the for the you know the average footy fan than it was in previous years. Now there's sort of more pressure on players that they're not going to fake an injury now because they got the injury so because you fake an injury you're going off for the rest of the game. <laughs> well, we're getting too many injuries as it is at the moment, so mm-hmm. we've had to choose between who's more seriously injured than the other. Like we had a a game on the weekend against Carlton and Hamish Hartland and Dan Houston were both really badly injured, and you would have subbed any of them. You know, if it was just them injured, but we had to choose who was who was the most injured, and it's been like that the last two or three weeks. We're we're a bit battered and bruised at the moment, but um, yeah, not too many boys want to get that subbed out. Obviously, um, what would be your best advice um for someone um who wants to become a successful AFL player or coach like yourself? Yeah, you know, we got a thing that I really struggled when I first got to Port, and it took me a couple of years to to realise the work ethic that's required. And then mm-hmm. I, I bought into doing extra sessions and, and, and training harder than anyone else. So that's what made me successful. So I think you've got to do that. You've got to go out of your way to do extras and more than anyone else, you can't just do the bare minimum because that won't get you anywhere. And if I had my time again, I'd be a better teammate. I'd think about the team you know, more, yeah. than, more than myself and put the team and my teammates you know, before the success of the individual. Um, you can become a bit selfish when, you, when you're just involved in the in the team environment but you know the thing that's changed over the last couple of years is just the focus on being a better teammate and, and thinking about what you can do for others rather than yourself so I know it gets said a lot but mm. time again that's what I do um well just a couple of last questions what does your um sort of weekly schedule look like so if you start on the weekends generally one day is taken up with a power game and the other mm-hmm. day is taken up with a Magpies game. So this week we play Saturday night and then Sunday night. So the mm-hmm. weekends are full. Um, Monday, Tuesday are, are big days at the club. Monday, more reviews of the games yep. past the weekend. Tuesday, getting back into training and thinking about the upcoming game. We get Wednesdays off. Thursday's the main session of the week. And then Friday's a bit of a lighter sort of captain's run um, mm-hmm. type session. So they're busy weeks. But you do get that one day off Wednesday, which is great, where you can sort of chill at home with the family and, and catch up on things you need to do. Uh, thanks, Chad, for coming on the podcast today and putting aside um, some of your time out of your busy um, schedule to come on and have a chat. Thanks for having me, mate, and good luck with the, the rest of your podcast. You're doing a great job. Well done. Thanks, Chad. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes and follow and subscribe to our channel on Instagram and YouTube. This episode was brought to you by The Missing Link.